I want to thank your pastor for, uh, allow, uh, you know, just sharing his pulpit and uh, allowing me to come and preach the word. Thank you so much to him. And, uh, you know, First Baptist Pelham is a known church in Birmingham. And if you're a guest, I will tell you, I'm a guest as well. I, I'm not on staff here. And uh, if this is your first time here, this is a great church. I didn't say this is a perfect church, but this is a church that seeks the face uh, of, of Jesus. And uh, it is a, a church that's a healthy church. And if you don't have anywhere that you're plugged into... This is a great place to be. As a matter of fact, if you hear something today that you enjoy or there's something that speaks to your heart or convicts you, uh, don't leave without talking to somebody. You know, if you're like, I don't even know who's on staff, just look at the person next to you and say, oh, uh, hey, who do I talk to? Because I, I want to get plugged into a place like this. This is a, a, a great place. It's a, a place that I can tell has, has prayed for uh, this generation uh, because you saw awesome things happen throughout the weekend. Um, you know, Matt is a, an incredible student pastor. I've known him for a long time. Uh, he's just one of the best. And I, I will tell you, um, uh, it's, it's always, uh, if you do a, a student weekend and the youth pastor at the end of it, you know, it, it's, it's like Sunday and you see him and he's full of energy and um, uh, like his voice is totally fine and uh, there's no sweat on him. You need to be leery of that guy, okay? Be leery of that person. Uh, but even just Meredith and Matt both, I, you got an incredible uh, just team of people that pours into this. And you can just tell, like, they gave everything they had. They give everything they had. And so I would just encourage you to just be the church and spur one another on. Uh, you, you, you see Meredith, you see Matt, just pour into them and just let them know, like, you're for them and you're with them. Uh, you see somebody in a blue shirt, I, just let them know. Just spur them on and tell them, you're with them. You're for them. Uh, it, like I said, this is a great place. It's a healthy place. Uh, if you don't uh, have anywhere to get plugged into or, or this is your first time in here, this is an incredible place that uh, will love to walk through life with you. Uh, this is a church that preaches Jesus. It preaches Jesus. It's a healthy place. They look at God's word and they begin to open it up and read it. Um, my, uh, my family's here uh, today. They're over here. So kids are making some racket. There's my kids up there. Um, and so which is going to make this next part a little bit more difficult, okay? Uh, because, um, you know, first service, yeah, it's going to make this first joke real rough. All right, but um, I'll tell you, um, let's see, a, a long time ago, I had to do this funeral. And uh, his funeral was in Huntsville. And uh, I remember going up to it. And we're not from Huntsville. We don't know anything about Huntsville. And so we're, we're doing the funeral. And as I get finished, they say, hey, here's the directions to the graveside. So if you're a pastor at the funeral, you, the procession usually follows you. So they give me directions. I type it into Siri because I don't know what I'm doing. You know, so I just grab Siri and I type it in. And it says 45 minutes away. And everybody has to follow me, you know, which is you know, you don't know, I mean, what am I supposed to do? You know, so I type it in, and uh, it's, the whole group is following us. And so we're driving, and I'm asking my wife, we've been driving for 10 minutes. I said, hey, how do you like Huntsville? Uh, and she said, and if you're from Huntsville, I apologize for what I'm about to say. She says, how do you like Huntsville? I said, or she, I asked her how she liked it. She said, you know, it's kind of trashy. I said, oh, we were in a nice part of Huntsville. And I said, oh, well, I apologize. Uh, um, what's, what's wrong with it? She's like, I just don't feel safe. Um, and my wife, she's a tough woman, okay? So, I, I, she, you know, she's not a baby. And so I was kind of taken back by it. And I said, well, what's, what, what's going on? She's like, I just feel like it's just pe random people standing around, like cars broke down. And I said, like, this car and this one? And she said, yeah. I said, babe, we are in a funeral. This is a procession. And I was like, 
people are pulling off to the side of the road because they, they're, it's respecting like, hey, I'm with you and I'm for you. Like, I, I don't even know. People are outside their car, like, standing there, you know, and she's like, look at all this, you know. And just, I do not feel safe at all. And so I'm explaining to her what this is. I'm like, hey, I mean, I'm 36, been driving for 20 years, okay. Like, she, you know, she's been driving for a long time too, okay. Like, I, so I said, hey, we used to live in trust. We used to live next to a, a funeral home. And I was like, what did you do for 10 years of your life when you saw a funeral? She's like, I just, you know, zipped around it thinking, get out of the way, you know, and uh, taking up it. Why has everybody got their hazards on, you know, like just going around. And so I'm explaining this to her. And uh, so we, we drive another five or 10 minutes and it's quiet in the car. Um, I'm trying to protect my wife. It's dangerous, you know, so I'm, we're driving. And as we drive, I hear uh, just this. I said, well, hey, are you okay? What's wrong? She said, this is the sweetest thing I have ever seen. <laughs> you know, her eyes opened up. Now, my wife is incredibly smart, much smarter than I am, right? way smarter than I am. But there's twice in my life that I've like, I was way smarter than her. Right? And that was one of them. Uh, and so I, I just remember, uh, it, it's funny how like uh, all of a sudden something sp was spoken into her life that changed the way she thought. And I would say as we open up the passage um, today, I hope like the antenna goes up. Maybe you hear something that you've never heard. Or maybe as I open up a passage of scripture, you're like, oh, this is something I know, I know how this passage works. I know this. I would just tell you the word of God is living and breathing and active. And so if you read something uh, four years ago or ten years ago, it will come alive. Like you, you've lived life since then. I would just tell you uh, maybe uh, somebody today might speak something into your life that will change your life. Because that's what the word of God does is it has the power to counsel you. Whether you're in this room and Jesus is your thing or not. Like the word of God has the power to counsel you. Whether you, you, you're, you're, you're about Jesus and you're about the gospel. If you read this book, there's great advice in this book. So whether this is your thing or not, like the, the word of God can, can counsel you at things going on in your world. Uh, the, at, at some point, like when you read the word of God and you hear it preached, the word of God will convict you as well. Like if you walk through a, a service and there's no conviction, I think somebody lied to you. Like you, you, there's conviction at some point, like you're going you, you're gonna to be broken down. Because uh, the word of God, it, it, it cuts like a knife. Now, I'm going to give you some application and things, and I'm going to be able to give you like a bandage, okay? I'll give you a bandage for a surgical cut, and it's not, I mean, it, it might cover up a little bit, but like the only thing that will be able to heal you from that cut is Jesus. So the Word of God, like it, it has the power to convict you. The Word of God also, after it has counseled you and it has convicted you, if you begin to keep reading it and you follow what it tells you to do, the Word of God will change your life. And I would tell you, there's some people in the room, you've been in a season of your life that's been dead for quite some time. You're just a, a body with, with dead bones inside of it. And at some point, like your life has got to change. You, you can't um, not seek the face of Jesus and think your life is going to change. You, you can't um, walk through this world and not know who Jesus is and think your life is going to change. I would just um, let you know before we open up the passage, there's people in this room that your world is um, it's moving really quick around you. And I apologize for some of the things that's happened in your life that were out of your control. There's some things that happened in your life that were your control and you messed them up. 
today we're going to open up the word of God. And as we open it up, hey, let it counsel you. Let, let it convict you about the things, yeah, that, that were, were terrible in your life. And then walk out of the door and let it change you. Let it change you. When you walk out the door, it, you pursue truth or you ignore it. But that's your call. That's your, I, I can't make that call for you. You, you hear the word. You take it in. I, I'm, I'm a one-point person. You can obviously tell there's four points that we had this weekend, okay? I'm a one-point person. Take one thing that you, you, you heard that you said, oh, this is something I need to apply in my life. Walk out that door and do something with it. If, if not, you're just going to do what we talked over throughout the entire weekend is you just do um, a trash management, right? You just, you, you bring it in uh, and you miss trash day and all you do is you just push it down further because next week the trash is coming. So you just keep piling in trash over and over and it's running over and you just never empty it. And so I, I would say at some point you got to have counsel, conviction, and you got to change. And so when you walk out the door, if there's something that you don't, you hear something and you're like, I don't know, um, I, I don't know what that's about or I, I need more information about that. The things that you don't know about, it's ask questions. The thing you don't know could change your life. Uh, if you got your Bible, you can turn with me to uh, Joshua, Joshua chapter 3. I love the book of Joshua. If you're uh, uh, somebody in the room or a man in the room that you just... Uh, this, this is a book of, of war, okay? This is a book, uh, there's a lot of violence in here. If uh, you um, like to read on that kind of stuff and you've never read the book of Joshua, this is a great place to go read, okay? It is just jam-packed and uh, you'll be in it for a long time. Well, when you get to about like chapter 13 or 14, uh, it gets, it, I mean, they're just telling you what they do with the land and it'll, you know, put you to sleep sometimes. But uh, all right. So if you have trouble falling asleep, just read 13 on, and then you will be asleep real quick. All right? But uh, for the first 13, there's a lot of blood everywhere. And so uh, let, let me just catch you up a little bit um, of what's going on. So you have God's people. Uh, God's people, uh, they, obviously, they have been redeemed over and over again. God has looked at his people, redeemed them. They love him, and then they reject him. They love him and reject him. And so God's people have escaped slavery from Egypt, and uh, they run, they, 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 they cross over uh, what, what we call is the, the Red Sea. So they cross over the Red Sea. Uh, you might know some of that story. They, they get over into what we call the wilderness, and they're there for a long time. They're there for a long time, and an entire generation of people dies off. And so you hear the stories, like the younger generation hears stories of, of like what used to happen. Oh, I remember when the Lord like split the Red Sea and we walked through like a generation of people had never seen it. They've just heard about it. And so uh, this happens. Uh, you have uh, 12 tribes in, in God's people, 12 tribes of Israel. And they send out 12 different spies to go look at where God has promised them this land. He's promised this big chunk of land, and he's, they send out 12 spies, 10 from each, uh, or, or one from each of the tribes. Now, 10 of them come back with terrible news, like, there's no way, there's giants over there, there's no way we're going to get into uh, the promised land. That's why you, nobody in here usually knows any of the 10. It, uh, they just came to bring bad news. I mean, they just came and said, hey, there's no way we're going to be able to do it. I mean, they're just telling you all the things that God can't do. Hardly anybody knows their names. But yet there's two, Joshua and Caleb, who go and they go into uh, the enemy's camps. They spy and they come back and they're like, hey, we can do this. 
we can do this. And that's why most people know Joshua and Caleb and the other 10. You're like, I didn't know there were two. I didn't know there were 10 others. So they come back and say, hey, we can do this. And Joshua starts out in chapter 1. And when he starts out in chapter 1, it's terrible news. Moses has just died. Now, this is the person that uh, they've looked to. This is going to be their, their savior. This is going to be the person that says, uh, hey, let's, let's walk this direction. God's speaking through me. And the whole rest of the group follows him. Well, he's dead now. He's dead, and so they look to the next person, and the next person that comes is Joshua. Now, um, this is what's unique about Joshua. Everybody in the room, uh, you have a, um, salvation is a free gift. It's a free gift to everybody in the room. You just have to accept it. It's a free gift. If you want intimacy with God, it will cost you something. It costs you something. Like people in here that you, you, you say, man, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Like salvation is a free gift. Like you, you, you I, I don't believe the word of God says that the salvation can be taken from you. I don't believe that's true in the gospel. But I, I will just tell you that if you want intimacy, that's a little different than just salvation. Intimacy with him costs you something. It costs you time. It costs you energy. It costs you some finances. It costs you friendships, relationships. Like intimacy will cost you. I love how it starts out. Uh, Joshua, it says over and over that Joshua had to rise early. He rose early. He rose early. He rose early. Like he sought the face of God over and over and over again. He kept rising early. He wanted intimacy with God. And maybe that might be some of your point right there. Some of you are like, you just got your point. You're done. You can walk out. It's you're like, hey, what I'm missing in my life is intimacy with him. Like I know that I'm a, I, I, I'm a, I'm a child of God, but the intimacy with God is where I'm lacking. Uh, God gives uh, Joshua a a, a great word. He says, uh, he looks to the people of Israel and he says, consecrate yourself for tomorrow I will do great things with you. Consecrate yourself and I'll do great things with you. Now, this is not, I wouldn't just blame it on this generation, whatever that means. I would just say everybody here on the planet, okay, especially in the United States. Like we live in a world where uh, you, you literally, you just microwave something for two minutes and hope deliverance comes out. Like you just, that's the, how you live your life. And you say, oh, well, Lord, if you, if, do a great thing with me right now so that tomorrow I can praise your name. See, the word of God says, hey, consecrate yourself today. Honor me today. Praise my name today for tomorrow I'm going to do great things with you. Tomorrow you're going to get to watch me work and do what only I can do. But today I'm going to need you to consecrate yourself. And see, that's a totally different language than what we're used to. We're used to, uh, hey, Lord, I just, um, could you do, could you answer this request right now and tomorrow, oh, I will make sure that I do whatever you need me to do. But he says, consecrate yourself for tomorrow, I will do great things with you. So God's people are about to walk into uh, a nation and you got to understand for the next seven years after this, they have unbridled success. They wipe out everybody. Hardly lose anybody. They just wipe out everybody. There's seven nations that are conquered, 31 kings are defeated. Like they just have unbridled success everywhere. But they got to get there. They're in the wilderness and they've got to go over into the promised land. And the way they get to the promised land is there's, there's a massive, I would say in our world, it would be like a massive evil is in the way. There's a massive problem in the way and it's the Jordan River. So a lot of people here are crossing the Red Sea. Well, now God's people have to go over to the Jordan River. And when you get to the Jordan River, there's... Um, there's a problem, it's flood stage. 
It's been raining and there's water everywhere and it's moving quickly. And so you have all of God's people. He says, look, there's the promise saying you can take it. It's 300,000 square miles, which is about from Louisiana, Tennessee, Carolinas, down to Florida. He says, this is yours. I'm already giving it to you. You just got to go get it and take it. Uh, eventually, God's people, uh, they get there and they only take 10,000 square miles. And they're, they're very happy with the 10,000. He said, no, I, I'm telling you, I need you to take 300,000 square. Take the blessing that I'm giving you. Take it, and they don't. They just take 10,000, and they get totally fine with it. And you see, that's a major problem, what happens through the rest of the Old Testament. They didn't take what God said, I need you to take this. So God's people, they're in the wilderness. They're about to cross over. They have Joshua is going to be their leader. And God tells Joshua, hey, Joshua, I, I, I want you to take the priest with the Ark of the Covenant, and I want you to go, and I want you to step inside the water. And when you step inside the water, I will then I will hold up the waters, and then you will be able to cross. Now, uh, verse 17 in chapter, uh, chapter 3, it says something awesome. It says, then the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant stood firmly on dry ground, and all of God's people, all of Israel crossed over. That's a wonderful passage. It's one of my favorite passages. I love that passage because so much comes with it. But see, um, there's a problem. Uh, you're over here, and uh, the, the, the Jordan River's that way, and God has given you a great calling in your life. He has put something in you. He has, uh, he, has, he has given you a fresh word in your life. He's excited you about something. And all of a sudden over here, you look over and you're like, hey, whatever's over here, I can conquer it. Whatever's over here, I can move. Whatever God you have put over here, I will do. But you're over here. You're over here, fired up, ready to go. God's moving in your life. You start moving toward the direction that God has called you in. You get maybe about halfway. Guess what the Jordan River looks like? It hasn't changed. It's still flood stage. The priests that are walking over, there's a crowd watching them. And guess what? As they walk closer to it, that water doesn't look any different. They get closer to the water. They take the Ark of the Covenant. That first priest takes his foot up. Guess what happens to the water? Nothing. Nothing changed. Look how far he's come. Look how much faith he has walked with, and yet the water doesn't change, and it looks exactly the way it did when you were called. And you have worked incredibly hard to get from there to here, and nothing has changed. As a matter of fact, the priest picks his foot up, and when he goes to put it in the water, he's two inches away from it, and guess what has not changed? The water. It's exactly the same way. You know why? Because the word of God says, hey, Joshua, uh, I want you to take the priest and the Ark of the Covenant. I want you to get real close to the water, and I just want you to quit. He says, I need you to take your foot, and I want you to put it in the water. I don't want you to get real close, get real frustrated. I don't want you to get real close and lose heart and then walk away. He says, I want you to take your foot, and I want you to go put it in the water. And until you put it in the water, the water will not look any different. Oh, when you're here, everybody in the room, there's a, there's a place in your life when you are really, really close to God. Some of you, it might have been this weekend. Some of you, it might have been two years ago. But there's a place that you are really, really close with God. Man, he spoke words into your life that changed your life. And he gave you a path and a direction. 
And so you, you started walking that way, and you were really fired up. You were excited about what God, you were learning new things, and like nothing, nothing is going to come between you and God. And as you move closer to what he has called you to go do, as you move closer to whatever that looks like, and maybe some of it... <clears throat> Maybe some of it is just over there, that's a, that's a son or daughter that has not changed yet. I mean, you've done everything that you could and that has not changed. It, it's a work environment that that over there has not changed. And Lord, you called me here and that doesn't look any different. And Lord, I'm going to walk in this direction and the closer I get, that actually gets bigger. That hasn't changed. Oh, see, right here... Um, is when Satan begins to um, speak into your life and all of a sudden that hiss of a serpent gets really loud. It gets really loud and sometimes it's hard to hear the whisper of God right here because you're sitting there listening to this hiss that's over and over and over again of the serpent of, hey, you're totally fine right where you are. You're totally fine planting and farming right where you are. You don't have to go right there. I will supply your needs for you. And Satan begins to feed into your life all the things that you don't need to change in your life. What is it that you need? Oh, you need finances? You need a relationship? You need whatever? Okay, that's fine. Satan can bless you with those things and keep you right here. And the next thing you know, you start falling in love with... um, the gift that God gave you, maybe he called you to go in a certain direction because of a gift set that you had or because of, um, uh, of something that, um, that, that, that may be unique to you. And as you begin to walk, man, you, you, oh, man, you loved, you loved the giver. You were so close to him and sin began to step into your life as you begin to walk and you got further and further and further away from God. And next thing you know, you get to a place like this and you rely on your own strengths and your own ability. God has worked in your life and yet, man, you've grown cold to watching God work in your life and do the miracles around you. And you don't see that as much as you do anymore and you pray and you hope it gets past the ceiling. Like you're just sitting in this spot right here. Um, so my, uh, uh, one of my kids, um, you know, one of them, three of them, one of them's like, don't talk about me, all right? The other one's like, hey, you're going to talk about me today, all right? So, um, uh, so one of them, uh, when you turn a certain age, there's like seven, maybe, uh, his grandparents give him money, right? You give him money, like a dollar for every year, it's your birthday. So he gets this money, and he's super pumped, oh, seven dollars, you know, like, that's one thing at five and below, all right? Yeah, so you, you have it, and then... Um, about 20 minutes later, he's like, hey, um, how old is, like, Papa? That's the one who gave him money. I said, bro, he's old. He said, like, how long, is he going to be, like, around, like, a long time? And I was like, dude, I, I mean, he's about had me crying. Like, I don't know, but, you know, like, he's like, like, when I'm 20, is he going to be here? And I was like, probably not. I'm about to cry talking to him, you know, like, I don't, probably not, buddy. He said, I'm going to need that $20. (laughs) So immediately got on the phone, said, hey, uh, you owe somebody 20 bucks. And every time he goes to the hospital, I call him or go check on him. And I'm just like, hey, man, I'm here to collect. Do I need to go ahead and collect today or is that uh, later on? Uh, But you see what happened is like, oh, loved, oh, was so thankful, so thankful. Um, Quickly fell in love with the gift. Fell in love with it. It's totally happy being right here. See, see what happens is like uh, thoughts that you have when you get here, you see where you got to go. Thoughts right here, guess what those thoughts turn into words. 
Thoughts turn into words, and words turn into actions, and actions, guess what happens? Those turn into character, and that's what you're known by. And when you get right here, those thoughts that Satan begins to put into your life, begins to consume you, I mean, shame. Oh, there's people that walked in here this morning, man, shame is a huge part of their life right now. And Satan will take shame, and it will make sure you never get over there. Uh, bitterness, anger. Those make you feel real strong when you're right here. Oh, because somebody did something wrong to you or somebody took something from you or whatever it is, like anger and bitterness when you're right here, man, it fuels you and it makes you feel real strong. I promise you it will ruin your life and you will never get over there. You will totally forget what God did in your life. You will be angry and bitter and you will not get over there. You know, I mean, the, the word of God says that, that Satan is like a roaring lion, seeking and prowling around, seeking who he may devour. People hear that passage. We talked about this. Do you know how he hunts? You know how the lion's going to hunt? The lion's going to come, and he's going he's gonna to roar, and he's going to push on that group of animals. And as he pushes on that group of animals, an animal is going to begin to run, and he's going to wait for one animal to veer off. And when that one animal veers off there, the lion will feast. I, I would say there's people in this room that that's where you're at right now. Is that all of a sudden, man, you've been pushed and you just begin to veer off. You were walking with accountability. You were walking with people. You were walking with the church. And, man, next thing you know, you just begin to veer off. And then that is where Satan will prowl around and devour. He is there to steal, kill, and destroy you in your life. And that is it. And he will use your words against you. He will use your actions. He will deceive you into something. And as soon as you begin to step into it, he will now then accuse you for what you just did. And you'll sit in a place like this for a really long time. Oh. But see, when you get right here, I think a lot of people end up pretty close to the Jordan. They have a great experience with God. Man, they learn what God has done in their life. And, man, they get past this, this, this huge moment in their life where, like, Satan is pressing in on them. The world is pressing in on them. And yet, man, they turn to the gospel because if you live your life and your Bible is like this, it's going to be really hard. At some point, you've got to open your Bible and you have to live in the Word of God. You've got to live where you understand the Word of God because if you walk through pain and suffering uh, and you don't know what His Word says, you've got nothing. If, if you don't know what verses say in this book and you don't know what Jesus said in this book, if you don't know how God handled this, if you don't know what, what God's people walked through, if you don't know what Jesus had done for you, if you don't know those things, when you walk through terrible moments in your life, you got nothing but shame, you got nothing but guilt, you got no, that's all you got. But yet his word, if you know his word, and the way you know his word is you have to open up the book and you got to read it. You got to put it in your life. You got to use it as a sword. At some point, you got to quit being a farmer. You got to learn how to be a blacksmith. You got to wield your own sword. You got to learn how to use it. If, if, if all you know is the same verses from six years ago and nothing else has been added into your life, where's the intimacy? See, when you get right here, um, I, I've, I've, I've done student ministry for a long time. I get to be around a lot of parents. I get to be around uh, a lot of uh, young couples. 
I would just tell you, there's, 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 there's ladies in this room right now. I'm just going to talk to just a, a, a small group of people for just a second. Sunday morning is the most stressful time in your world. It's terrible. Some of you got in the biggest fight just getting over here, okay? Understand. That's why I leave and go to our church early so me and my wife, we don't get an argument. Like, so I'm there an hour before anybody gets there, right? So, but I, I would just tell you, um, right here, uh, your, your wife has been praying that you would put your foot in the water for so long. I mean, and maybe as a husband or a dad or, or, or a father or a man, you, you've, you've, you've walked and, and you tried. And yet what God has called you to do, I mean, you, maybe you've gotten really close, um, but you just don't put your foot in the water. And you haven't seen God work in your life. And because of that, you're just getting more and more nervous. And so you keep backing away from the water. The reason you haven't seen God move is because he told them, I need you to put your foot in the water. Now get really close and quit. I mean, your spouse and your family has been praying so hard that you would take your foot. You are so close and just put it inside the water. Because what happens then is a great passage. It says, and then Jesus held up the water. He held up the water, and then all of God's people, not just the priests, but the family, everybody began to stand firmly on dry ground, and they crossed over the Jordan River. See, you needed some faith to make that work. Like, the, the faith that they talked about a long time ago, like when, when they crossed over the Red Sea, like they've heard those things. Well, you're going to need a different kind of faith. Like you saw that work and you saw God move. You got to bank on something. Like God's going to keep working. Like you're going to need a different kind of faith. I didn't say you necessarily had to grow your faith. Like it says you just need a faith of a mustard seed to move a mountain. Maybe just check the quality of faith that you have. Like when's the last time you had to use it? Like by faith, answer the question. Okay, so by faith, this is what you did. By faith. Uh, faith works a lot like um, getting... Um, Pulled over by the cops. Anybody ever, that's ever happened? Nobody. That's liars, all right? Like you don't hit the brake, all right? Yeah. So uh, here's what happens is, uh, like you've got talent, you've, you're like, you're going fast, you realize you hit the brake so hard and then pass them and let it off just so they don't see your brake lights, you know? Like I, been caught, busted, all right? Yeah. That should change your life when you walk. No, uh, but here, well, you get pulled over and um, officer usually, what do they ask you? For, not that you just heard, all right? But anyway, what do they ask you? Obviously, you've never been pulled over, all right? But anyway, maybe you haven't. <laughs> I need to check my life, all right? Yeah. They pull over, and they're like, um, uh, license, registration, proof of insurance. So, license, okay, yeah, sweet. Here you go. Hey, you got some insurance? Yeah. You open up that glove box, might as well be looking for a unicorn in that thing, all right? And so you start going through it. You start going through it, and um, you're like, oh, thank you, Jesus. You pull it out, and you give it to them. They're like, uh, that was from eight months ago. Um, you have anything current? I, I think faith works a lot like that. You're like, I know I got it. I like, I got faith. I got faith, all right? I got it. Okay, well, so by faith, when's the last time you, you, you did something? I mean, I got faith. I've had it. Do you have anything more recent that you actually have used your faith with? 
I think when you get right here, it's like checking that. It's a lot like that. You're like, I got 10 years ago in my life. I saw you work. Okay, well, you're going to need a different faith when you get right there. The Red Sea is different from the Jordan River. You need something different. See, uh, I, th I think what uh, Satan uses a lot um, when you get here is um, Satan knows the word. It's a scary thing because most of us get right here and we don't know the word. So he'll begin to start using it against you. I think some of the hardest time that we get when we get right here is um, we think that Jesus rose from the grave. I, if you're a follower of Jesus, you, you think he rose from the grave. You think he was born of a virgin. You think he's a miracle working God. But you have a hard time believing he can cover your sins. And that's the hardest thing to get over right here. It's allowing yourself to be loved. When you get right here. Like, to give it to somebody. To say, hey, God, I'm going to give you this. And you do whatever you can do with it. See, because what happens is the priest put his foot inside the water. And then God did what only he could do. There's a lot of reasons why I, I'm, I'm not... Um, I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be preaching. Uh, I shouldn't be in front of you. I shouldn't have a mic strapped to my face. There's a lot of reasons why. See, but when God called me, I, I remember when God called me into the ministry, uh, I didn't even, I, if you're in this room and you went to this weekend, you're already doing way better than I did. I never went to any student event at my church ever. I love my church. I went every Sunday. I just never did anything with them. So you're already doing way better than I did. But I remember getting called, and I was in college getting called in the student ministry. I remember calling uh, my girlfriend, who is my wife, who's sitting up there now. Right? But I just remember uh, calling her for the first time, telling her, like, hey, man, God's called me in the student ministry. And she's like, you don't even read your Bible. And I was like, oh, this is how I know, right? She's like, you didn't even go to a youth group. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, like, easy. You know, I was excited. God had called this in my life, and as I began to move forward to where he has called me to go, there was all kind of things that would uh, disqualify me. The first time I met into a room with people, um, uh, it was a long time ago, and I remember being in a room with 15 people, and they were questioning me about being a student pastor. They were wanting to hire me, and I stopped them into two minutes, and I said, hey, I just need to let you know something. I don't know that book, and I just pointed to the Bible. I said, I don't know that book. I said, I can fake like I know it, but I do not know it. I don't want to start this off as a lie. All I can give you right now is energy and some fun games. I want to be a student pastor. I'm going to be one. I'm going to learn that book, but I, right now I do not know it. It was dead quiet in the room, and they hired me. 17 years ago. I mean, I'm not, um, I, <laughs> I had to go to speech class when I was a little kid um, in third grade. They made, I couldn't say my R's and my S's. I whistled when I said my S's and my R's. Um, my R's, I would say, you know, all's, you know. You know what I'm talking about? You guys know, you know what I'm talking about. All right. And I remember having to do a puppet show in front of my whole class, uh, how to hold up a puppet. <laughs> 
and do a whole paragraph in front of my whole class using R's and S's. What kind of education is that? But anyway, I just did that, you know? Like, I remember having to do those things. I'm not very smart at all. Like, I know what a procession is, I, but I'm not, you know, like, I, mean, I had a 1.8 GPA. Students know that I am an idiot I, when I say that. I, that's not very good. Highly dyslexic. If you haven't noticed, I don't look down and read because I can't look down and read out loud. I didn't know this book. There's all kind of reasons like, I mean, I'm telling anybody this, I don't, I didn't finish seminary. Shh. Is this live, is this the one that's live streamed? Oh my gosh. We can edit, right? No, it's live. Oh my gosh. There's all kind of reasons when God called me here, I cannot get over there. Man, when I got right here, oh. I wanted to rile out on my own strength, my own ways. Man, I said, but God, you called me and I'm going to move this direction. I know everybody in the room, you're not called to full-time. I, I get that. But everybody in this room, if you're alive and breathing, you have been called. Because you're alive and well and he's not done with you yet. If you are breathing and you are in this service, he is not done with you and you still have a calling. Go and answer the call and don't get real close and quit. Get real close, honor God, praise his name, and put, pick your foot up and put it inside the water so that God can do what only he can do. Don't get right here and just farm and be totally fine having an experience at some point in your life and just be fine because you can look back at that faith moment, you can look back at that moment. Don't just get here and go back there all the time. Get right here. Learn his word, know his word, continue knowing, continue growing. If all you know is the same thing that you knew last year, come on. Like Satan is going to push and pry you away because all you do is just rely on something that happened back here. And man, you're not using what God is teaching you. You hear the word of God and man, it has grown hard in certain points of your life and places of your life. Like he is going to push and he is going to lead and devour you. Don't just sit here and farm. Learn how to pick up the word, open it up, wield your own sword, and begin to use it. I'll leave you with this. Man, you guys come on up. I'll just leave you with this. Um, something about God's word is this. He will always uh, teach you something in the word, and then he will test you, which means when you walk out of here, you're going to get tested. If you heard anything in here, and you're like, oh, you know, I, I, I like that or I enjoyed that or it was something that like God's word spoke truth into your life. It said into your soul, well, get ready because when you walk out of the door, I don't know if it's going to be 10 minutes from now, 10 years from now, two minutes. I don't know. But like when you walk out of the door, if you hear his word, you will get tested on it. You can see that over again, over and over again in the gospels. Oh, you, you can read chapter three, move over to four, five, and six, and you can see he does the same thing. They got to go fight in the battle of Jericho. And he says, hey, I need you to walk around for, 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 for many days. They get three days into it. It's not like a crack came up on the wall. And they're like, wow, we are so close. Guess what happened on day six? It looked exactly the same way. Just keep going. I didn't tell you to walk around the, the wall for five days. 
The whole book of Joshua is filled with like, I taught you something. Now listen to what I'm telling you to do and go do it. Don't walk up to the water, pick your foot up and quit. I want to challenge you with this. If, this is, if you, you don't have people in your life to walk through life with you, maybe you're sitting here by yourself. This is like a, a new experience. This, this church is a new experience. Um, jump in so that when you get right here and you begin to farm, people can look at you and be like, hey, man, I want to teach you how to wield a sword. And you, you say, I, I need to be a part of a community that does that. This church will do that. And maybe when we start the invitation, you're somebody that says, I, I just need to join. I need to come to this place. Well, there will be some people here that you can talk to about that. Maybe uh, some of you in here, that sounds really good. Uh, you got your calling. I mean, you just came away from God. I mean, you just need to make some things right in your, in your world. You need to start removing pieces uh, that came between you and God so you can get right back to him. So it can just be you and him again. Maybe he's taking you through that wilderness and he didn't take you through a wilderness in your life uh, just to, to push you away and to leave you hanging. He put you in the wilderness right now in the season of your life because he's trying to remove different things in your life. So all you got is you and him again. Some of you, oh, man, you're so close. You got your foot up, and you're ready to get in, and, man, your entire family is praying that, man, you would just put your foot in the water. Man, this is maybe the day that you put your foot in the water, and you allow Jesus to do what only he can do. You guys saying, I'm going to pray for you, and uh, we'll have an invitation. Let's stand up. Let's pray. Oh, God, you are my God, and I will earnestly seek you. My soul, it thirsts for you, and my flesh, it faints for you. Like a valley that is dry, and it is weary, and it is without water. I seek you now in the sanctuary. Behold, your power and your glory, your steadfast love, it is better than life. And so in a moment like this, God, I'm going to lift up my hands, and I'm going to praise your name. And I'm going to lift up my voice and I'm going to praise your name because you are worth it. Man, may, may we make room for you today. We love you. You are my king. We love you. In your name I pray. Amen.